0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden. But you know what? We're not just covering the Hawks today. <laughs> I have a special guest here who is doing his thing on Sports Ethos as well.
0: And I'm yeah. just going to let him just introduce himself. Yeah. Not only are you listening to the uh, the Atlanta Hawks, Sports Ethos coverage show, but you're listening to the Chicago Bulls, Sports Ethos coverage show as well. I'm Keith Cork. I'm the host over there. And uh, man, it's, it's great to connect with you here. You know, I actually, a lot of my good friends are from Atlanta and so I sit around and watch Hawks and Bulls games, and we, we like to give each other a lot of uh, a lot of guff, I guess you can say, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to talk some, some Hawks and Bulls with you, man. I've uh, I followed both organizations somewhat closely, and uh, we got a lot to talk about here, man. We got some good topics here. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about because, I mean, we
1: have not had great success against the Bulls, especially last year. That was a uh, A dark dimension here as far as uh, especially the trips up to the United Center just just was not good uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. But the Bulls are a good team. And I mean, Hawks fans can take Solomon knowing that that has a playoff team. Uh, We need to do better against playoff teams. And I'm sure the Bulls want that same success. And I think we're going to be, you know, knocking heads throughout the year. But before we even get started, as far as entering the year with training camp on the horizon, Lonzo Ball, uh, news came out as far as he is going to have, I want to say, arthroscopic knee surgery. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, arthroscopic knee surgery. So basically, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to basically be removing, uh, you know, some kind of matter or some kind of, you know, something that's been stuck in, in the procedure they did before. So just to kind of recap, you know, obviously for the Hawks fans, especially out there. But um, Lonzo Ball played 35 games last season. Then he basically sat for a while. No one knew what was going on for a minute. And then a couple of weeks later, we kind of heard the news, you know, Hey, Lonzo ball is going to be going in for, uh, you know, some knee surgery and he's going to be back in six to eight weeks. And so, you know, it sucked at the time, but, you know, I think every bull's fan was basically saying, Hey, let's go do this now. Cause we're going to need you for the playoffs, man. You know, that was right. You know, the timing was going to be perfect. He'd be back maybe you know, one, two weeks before the playoffs started, get his rhythm, hopefully. And uh, we go from there. And, and Lonzo really does uh, do a lot for this team, which we can get into later. But anyways, Six to eight weeks has now turned into basically, at this point, a year until this guy's going to see the floor again. So it's been very frustrating as a Bulls fan um, to follow this. And, you know, Lonzo's had issues here and there uh, with his body. So it is something that is definitely at the top of Bulls fans' minds right now. And, you know, and I'll, I'll just get into it. I mean, like I said, you know, Lonzo is the key to the engine here as far as the Bulls offense goes because. The Bulls like to get out in transition. They like to run the basketball. They like to, you know, for a good portion of last year while Alonzo was healthy, they were actually first in a lot of metrics when it comes to, you know, offensive efficiency in the transition. So, you know, scoring the transition is something that Alonzo Ball helps out a lot with because the first thing he does as soon as he gets that ball is he looks up the floor. And if you can't get somebody up the floor, he's up the floor as fast as lightning. Man, this guy's quick. And uh, so that pace is something we really missed when he went down. We had Ayo Desumu we playing a point guard for us most of the time, sometimes Alex Caruso. And, um, yeah, so, you know, he's going to miss four to six weeks with this latest surgery. And, you know, hopefully once that's done and, and, you know, he's through that time period, hopefully he's totally healthy and can play, you know, 60 or 55 to 60 games this season. That's my my biggest hope right now. Um, because I think the Bulls really do need this guy to be a successful basketball team. And I agree with your sentiments there.
1: They really do need him because of his perimeter defense, uh, his ability to get everybody involved, push the pace, that you mentioned, and fast break. And his improved three-point shot from the gacked-up shot that we saw <laughs> at UCLA, and I'm doing the motion, uh, yeah. to being close to a 40% three-point shooter. And that is something that I looked into, and we're gonna dive. I'm gonna dive into a little bit more later, as far as when the Bulls' numbers, the three-point shooting percentage is one of the highest in the NBA, but just they just don't shoot a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. And I think that missing piece was Lonzo, and obviously they're expecting a lot as far as from the three-ball from Patrick Williams, who was a really good three-point shooter. We're gonna talk about here in a bit, but I, I agree as a person who has wanted to see Lonzo succeed. Since the UCLA days, since Lakers, Pels, and now on to the Bulls, which was hard for me to see him go to the Bulls. As a native, you know, of Louisiana and a Pelicans fan, I understand that they weren't going to pay the money that he rightfully deserved in New Orleans. And I, I was happy to see him get that opportunity in Chicago. But when he's on the court, there's, there is a difference. There truly is a difference. Um, now, I was going to ask a, a sidebar question as far as that. When he is the primary ball handler, What does that do for the offense as far as for Patrick Williams, for Levine, for DeMar, who they can certainly have the ball in their hands. But having that true point
0: guard, what does that do having Lonzo back? Well, I think, again, you know, it comes back to just getting people out in transition. So you got guys like Patrick Williams. You've got DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. These guys like to run the floor and fill lanes. And that's where they're going to get easy buckets. So I think that's really on the offensive end where Lonzo Ball shines. Now, can he create? Offense for other people. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's not, you know, the best at it. The problem with the issue with Lonzo Ball's game is his finishing at the rim at this point. Like you said, he had that janky uh, jump shot. He's fixed that, which is really great. Um, but, you know, he still struggles to finish around the rim, which is really frustrating to see. I think he actually had a lower percentage at the rim than he did uh, from the three-point line at one point last season. He might have even finished that way. I don't have it in front of me, but um, it was definitely close, which is just not something you want to see. Um, But, no, the thing that he really helps with, though, with the Bulls, and you mentioned it, is just, you know, spacing the floor because we got guys like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. We've got, uh, you know, Vucevic, you know, These are guys that need space in the middle, and they're going to clog that lane. And they're really running into each other right now on the offensive end. So having a guy that can space the floor like Alonzo Ball is absolutely essential. Uh, And I don't think, you know, I I love Io He's obviously a Chicago guy. And, uh, you know, I got to love him. I mean, there's no way he's just a hometown kid and just a fun guy to root for. But there is no, absolutely no way he's got that skill set in him from the three-point line that Lonzo does. Lonzo shot 7.4 threes uh, per game last season and the season before that 8.3. So um, this is a guy that likes to stay out there and stretch the floor. And like you said, he shot 42% from the three-point line last season. So uh, very successful at doing that. And, that, you know, not only was it the push and the pace, but it was also spreading the floor uh, that made Lonzo Ball so special for the Bulls.
1: Yeah, and I just hope he, you know, does make a speedy recovery. Um, I don't have in front of me the matchups that we do have, um, all all the matchups between the Hawks and the Bulls for this year. Um, I should have been a little bit more prepared there. But you know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about the Bulls. And you mentioned Patrick Williams, who is someone I really wanted to have a conversation about, because there's a lot of similarities. We talked about this offline Between Patrick Williams and DeAndre Hunter, as far as their importance on his team, especially at the small forward position, I mean, I see a lot of similarities in size, wingspan. I think Williams has a slightly higher upside with his athleticism, and he's a better three-point shooter earlier in his career compared to DeAndre Hunter, who is decent in the catch and shoot, but definitely something that needs to continue to take steps forward. Mm -hmm. And and as I mentioned, three-point shooting is needed for the Bulls. And I imagine he's going to be heavily relied on this year, but I'm curious,
0: what do you hope to see in Patrick Williams this year? I just want to see, I mean, the first thing I want to see is I want to see him stay healthy. I mean, obviously, that's just been such a bummer for him. You know, he's missed just large slots of time that have been really detrimental to his growth. Um, I mean, this is a number four overall pick, you know, and I think you're absolutely right, Brad, in saying, you know, these guys occupy the same space on the team in that, you know, they are big wing guys. They are vital to the defensive side. Not only can they, um, you know, guard their own man, but they can help, you know, guard someone else's man. Also, they can switch. They can you know play perimeter defense. They've got quick feet. Um, and they, you know, they're able to shoot that three also, which, you know, DeAndre Hunter brings. If, if you were to ask me to compare those two guys now, I mean, I did think there's no question in my mind that DeAndre Hunter's had a better You know, NBA career so far. So, um, but I do agree with you that Patrick Williams has that potential, and we've seen it in flashes. We saw it last season when he scored 32 uh, points near the end of the season when everybody sat. You know, this guy's got the ability um, to hit some. You know, he's got the ability in the mid-range to to rise up and and take a jumper. He's got the ability to hit a three-point shot, and he's got explosiveness, as you said. You know, some athleticism when he's heading to the rim. So, um, I want to see him stay healthy. I want to see him also be more confident on the offensive end. Um, that's something that's really been a, a, a struggle for Patrick is, you know, he'll catch the ball and be wide open for a shot and he will easily pass that up to a, you know, give the bulls a worse shot, uh, which is just something you can't do at the NBA level. It's something that you have to get better at. And um, so far he hasn't shown that. So, you know, he's just not proven yet, but I think, like you said, the potential is definitely there and the defense is always going to be there. Um, you know, there, he has some lapses sometimes, uh, which is just, I think, from inexperience again. But he's still a very young guy. And his athleticism makes up for a lot of those mistakes. I mean, I saw this guy guard Zion Williamson without having you know, much of a struggle, even though there was a huge weight discrepancy there back when the Bulls you know, had him playing power forward uh, next to Laurie Markin, basically. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that, the, like you said, the potential's there. It's just that he hasn't realized it yet.
1: And it's funny when you mention... Some of the same things you're saying about Patrick Williams are the same things that I'm saying about DeAndre Hunter. Confidence, consistency, staying healthy. Heck, even down to they were both both the fourth overall picks in their respective drafts. Mm -hmm. It's crazy the similarities between the two and how much of a key for both of these teams defensively and offensively, if they can continue to take steps and continue to be confident. And me, I I play college football. My coaches tell me. Confidence breeds aggression. When you're more confident, you're going to be more aggressive, and that's one of the things that I want to see from DeAndre Hunter: getting more aggressive, getting to the rim, which Patrick Williams can already do, shooting the mid range, and obviously being confident behind the three point line. And that's why I said some markers. I think Patrick Williams is a little bit ahead of DeAndre Hunter. I think the intangibles, it's there. I mean, we we've seen it. You just alluded to it, uh, but it's just crazy the similarities because both of these teams are really relying on these two players to take that next step forward. DeAndre Hunter is in a contract year. This is a prove-it year. Mm-hmm. And if you want the money that Keldon Johnson just got down in San, San Antonio, which is four years, $80 million, I don't think DeAndre Hunter gets that right now. Mm-hmm. He has to come out and prove it, be healthy in an in 82-game season. If he plays 68 games, that is a successful year as far as for DeAndre Hunter, who cannot stay on the court. And as far as Patrick Williams, who's played 88 career games so far, how many games are you hoping to get out of him this year?
0: Man, I'm going to I'm going to settle for like 55, man, like give me 55 games. I'm I'm cool with that. Just make him the right 55 games. Right. Like like let's get healthy for the playoffs and make sure you're there. Um, But no, I, I hope this kid plays 70 plus games, man. Like I mean, secretly, I've actually got uh, and I put this out there on my on the eat those bulls pod, too, is that, you know, I've got uh a bet out there on him winning most improved player at plus 5,500 odds. I believe in this kid. I think he's got that skill uh, in the flashes that we've seen. I think he can really be a key piece on a very good team. Um, But, yeah, he's got to stay healthy. So hopefully hopefully we get 55-plus games. I'm hoping for 70 this season. (laughs) I I like that. I
1: think I'm being a little too harsh, I guess, as far as winning 68 games. But, I mean – I mean, there's no FCC on this. Damn it! I expect more. <laughs> I want more. I mean, I, I, I mean, we all do down here. We all do. We want to see DeAndre Hunter be successful. And I think as of right now, Patrick Williams is the more efficient player. Uh, the last question regarding Patrick Williams, because I know this is we are a part of Sports Ethos. People going to talk about fantasy. What can the Bulls do to get his usage up? To because he already is going to get steals. Uh, he's going to get blocks, rebounds. He's going to shoot threes, which is already going to be very valuable in a nine-category uh, league. What can the Bulls do to get his usage up this year? Which is one of the things I keep seeing in articles.
0: That's yeah, that's one of the reasons that you know people. I, I see a lot of experts saying that he's a sleeper late, and I just have to kind of I, I pump the brakes on that. I'm not necessarily snagging him as a late round guy. I think he's fine if you're looking for that flyer and you need that those kind of stats. You know, steals, blocks, uh, good field goal percentage, threes. Um, like you know, sure, go for it, man. If you want to, you know, snack him in the last round of your playoffs. But like you said, there are barriers there to him getting that extra usage. I think he's, I want to say, I don't have it right in front of me, but I want to say he's at about twelve percent usage so far with the Bulls. Yes, uh, close to that, yeah. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. So if he can bump that up to like twenty, obviously that's a huge, huge increase, and that's gonna, that's gonna definitely, you know, make you, make you happy if you draft him in the last rounds of your playoffs of your um, fantasy leagues. I mean, but. I just don't see it happening. It's because because there's still DeMar DeRozan there. There's Zach Levine. Zach Levine's healthy now. Vooch is going to have a better year than he had last year. He still needs his shots, needs his touches. Um, There's just a lot of barriers to to Patrick Williams getting that. He's not necessarily going to be the guy that's going to create offense for other people. He's not a guy that has uh, necessarily great court vision. He's not a guy that drives and kicks very often. If he's driving, he's finishing at the rim or trying to get to the free throw line. So I think there are barriers to him hitting any kind of massive value there. So it's not someone I'm necessarily high on, but I do see the appeal there.
1: And it's funny how you mentioned as a most approved player of the year candidate because of the player we're going to talk about a little bit later, Okongwu has also, I want to say, last time I checked with Vegas, the six highest odds to snag that award as well. And Patrick Williams was up there as well with um, high odds. So it's going to be interesting between those two young players for our respective franchise to see who takes that next step up, who is going to continue to get better offensively, because we already know what each of those players can do defensively, even though we were talking about DeAndre Hunter. Same thing, uh, just a lot of upside and potential with these two teams. I did want to ask that magic trade to get get Vucevic on your team. I've, I've seen some – I'm not going to say outlandish because people are just looking at the draft picks that Orlando's gotten and compared to the success of the Bulls since the trade of getting Vujovic on the team and saying, hey, you know what? And I have and, I, and one of my managers at work. Shout out Mason, if you're listening to this. <laughs> and, and also shout out David Bracey. Please listen now and not before this, because I want Patrick Williams now after Keith just talked to me right there. <laughs> but. I have a magic fan that says that they fleeced the Chicago Bulls, and there are some other experts in our industry saying the same thing. I don't, I'm not taking it that far. What is your thoughts on that trade now? Or do you think it's too early to evaluate it as a fleecing until we see this iteration of the Bulls uh, 2022
0: to 2023 of the NBA season? Well, I mean, these, these conversations are always tough, especially when you're trying to like evaluate something that takes literally years uh, to develop, which, you know, you alluded to that, it's, you know, we gave up draft picks that, you know, you could have a, you know, fourth through seventh, you know, pick in the draft and absolutely miss and strike out and have a terrible player. They happen to get Franz Wagner. So, you know, (laughs) he's, he's been great so far. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if he can keep that going. I, I, of the belief that he can, he's a guy that I'm high on fantasy also, but, um, you know, I, I think Franz Wagner could end up being a very special player. So I think that's where people are coming from when they say, you know, Oh, the bulls got fleeced. Um, you know, because the bulls haven't necessarily seen a lot of success. With Vooch has been a very polarizing figure uh, for the Bulls fandom and for anybody on the outside watching the Bulls. And it's it's clear to see because it's just hard for him to, um, I guess, he hasn't really quite gelled with Zach Levine. And now that after DeMar DeRozan came over, he had a tougher time um, being basically the third wheel here. And people are going to pick on his defense. I actually think he's actually an underrated defender. I think he's average, you know, at worst maybe even a little bit above average. He actually anchored a top five defense in Orlando for years. So it's not like he's an absolute slouch on defense. And we see the effort, you know, day to day, if you're watching this team. So I'm not going to rag on him for that. I think he's a very, very talented player. He's a three-level scorer from the center position, which is a very rare thing to get. Um, So I can see the appeal. I can see why the Bulls pulled the trigger on it. Um, I think, you know, if we don't get Vooch, do we get DeMar DeRozan? That's another question that you have to think about, and I don't think people that are, you know, saying that the bulls got fleeced thought about that, um, because I don't think Demar Derozan comes if it's just Zach Levine and a bunch of trash, which is really what we had. Uh, you know, sorry, Lauren marken and you're doing great now, but you were playing like literal trash when you were on our team, and I don't, I don't hesitate to say that. <laughs> But, uh, but no, Ooh, that's it, good. That's yeah, good. But, that's you know, good. Uh, but, you know, it, I, you know, so in the end, what I can say is I think it worked out for both teams because the Bulls got DeMar, they got Vooch, they got Zach Levine. They, you know, had a very exciting team last season until Alonzo got hurt. Then they kind of backslid a little bit. Um, the Magic, very exciting young team. They got some nice young talent. It remains to be seen what they do with that talent. So, um, you know, I think it worked out for both teams. I really don't think if you want to say who won it, if you want to get, you know, if you want to put a gun to my head and ask me who, who won the trade, I would probably say the magic.
1: Okay. Okay. And I I would say the magic now, but not to the extent that so many of these other people are saying. I, st- I think it's still yet to be seen, and I'm excited to see what is to come for the Bulls this year, um, except when uh, the Hawks are on the schedule for them. Uh, one quick question before we go to a quick break. Uh, are you happy that you didn't get Gobert this summer?
0: <laughs> I, I, I really want to see what this team could do with a with a center like that. Again, I I, I can't speak enough about Vooch's, you know, abilities and you know, he's three level score and all that. I already spoke to all that. So I love Vooch, but but man, I, I've been clamoring for this team to get a different kind of a. I guess, different dimension of a center, you know, miles Turner or go bear um, since basically, I don't know, a season ago. So all of last season. So, you know, it, I, 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 I would have been okay with it, but I mean, obviously when I saw what the, what they had to give up to get go bear, I was like, nah, I'm not, there's no way I'm giving up five draft picks and three swaps and all this young talent. And it, it's just, I mean, good for the Timberwolves. wolves. I hope they do well. I love that team. So, you know, I hope they do well, but I wouldn't
1: pay that price. <laughs> yeah, it was a very steep price. I know the Hawks were in the same sweepstakes. I'm glad we didn't pay that. We did pay a different price for Murray, which we'll allude to a little bit later. Uh, but it's, it's still it's still yet to be seen how the Bulls are going to fare from that. Um, I just know that, you know, spending some time in the Midwest in St. Louis, there's a lot of Bulls fans there. In my group chat, I always said, hey, you need a rim protector more so at the center position because there's enough offense already to go around on that team even mm-hmm. though it could be better especially when you should get lonzo back into the fold but if you have a center that's not Vooch, even though i i, I do like Vooch, i've always been high on him especially in fantasy a few years ago he was a real big piece for my team uh go yeah go bear doesn't command touches Right. He, you, you don't have to run your offense through them, and then he can anchor your defense. So I go back and forth with Bulls fans in my fantasy league that hey, hey I think you need to do this, and they're like, no, we need Kevin Durant, we need everybody. <laughs> like they're 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 sounding like Knicks and Lakers fans about needing everybody else other than what they truly need as far as addressing the team needs. Because i always looking on the outside, looking in, and it's the same for the Hawks. Always thought that defense was always a question mark for the Bulls. Uh, There's a lot of offensive firepower, but who is going to get your defensive stops? Are you going to are you putting too much pressure on Patrick Williams? I know when Lonzo is there, that is a huge piece there. Caruso's defense as well, and I'm not saying that Levine is not good on defense. The Levine and the DeMar DeRozan, they are offensive go getters. You can say that.
0: You can say that. It's okay. You can say that because I've said it plenty of times on the Ethos Bulls Pod. Zach Levine is is a good ball like we saw it at Team USA, right? He's a good ball hawk. Like he's a good on ball defender. Um, he's got athleticism, so that really helps in that aspect of defense. But, man, his defensive – I think on 2K they have his defensive awareness at like a 63 or something, which I think is even too high because, man, this dude gets lost on the defensive end like probably 30% of the game. And then he sits and, like, blames other people. And I'm like, dude, you clearly lost your assignment. Like, you were not even – you had your body turned totally the wrong way. So, you know, that's one of my pet peeves for for Zach Levine. I wish he would get better. I think at this point, though – we just kind of got to live with it because he's such a talented scorer. Um, that's just part of, part of his equity, man. He's just, he's just going to have those lapses. And DeMar DeRozan, same issues. I think he's more experienced. He's had more years in the league, so it's less obvious. But if you watch him closely, um, maybe he's just taking plays off. But this dude uh, on, on the help defensive side, he's just not very helpful. So that's why I think a, a center like a Gobert or a Miles Turner would help the Bulls tremendously with that win protection.
1: So that's gonna be, that's what we're gonna you know talk about here shortly. Expectations for the Bulls and the Hawks, and we'll talk a little more Hawks here on this uh, episode, uh, joint episode here on Sports Ethos. But first, this plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you, I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon. Ash Ketchum had Gary, and I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other ranked list? I know which one. It's the Brewskis 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. and Ethos, 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes... To answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Obviously, it's a joint episode. Sports Ethos, Atlanta Hawks, Chicago Bulls in the building. I'm in Atlanta.
0: Where are you actually? Where are you? Well, well I, actually, I actually, I'm just both location. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in a black box somewhere now. Uh, it's, it's. I'm actually moved just moved back to Chicago, uh, well Chicago suburbs uh, as of like a month ago or maybe it was three weeks ago. But uh, yeah, I used to live. I was living in Kansas for a while. I've been all over, man. But uh, happy to be back in, in Bulls Nation and uh, you know obviously where the team I love plays. I mean I've been diehard Bulls fan as many people my age have been since the Jordan Bulls, obviously. So. I uh, grew up with all that and uh, just happy to be back, man. Happy to be, you know, I'm like two hours away from the United Center right now, so I can hop in a car and go there for a game, and that, that just makes me so happy.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to have you back in the Chicago land. I've had spent some time up there. It is a a wonderful city. It's, there's a lot of similarities between Atlanta and Chicago. Um, yeah. A lot of fun to be had in those cities and a lot of sports teams, and we're talking about our respective sports teams, the Bulls and the Hawks. And we're going to talk about expectations for this year. Now, I'm going to kick it to you. You brought up the the over-under as far as win totals uh, projected for each of our teams for the
0: 2022-23 season. So. Yeah, I think what we found, and you know, we were looking at it a little bit, we were both a little surprised. I thought I had seen the Bulls at about 44.5 for the over-under, which for me feels about right. You know, We can talk about that a little bit more, but 44.5, I'm going to say. But, but when we looked here, it was 43.5. Um, but I think that's just wrong because I think that's just too low. So I think 44.5 is more right. But we were kind of both surprised, a little bit surprised. I guess you were more surprised than I was that the Hawks actually have a higher win total according to Vegas and the odds makers. They're at a 45.5, so about 46 wins. And uh, yeah, man, I think I think it, I think honestly that's probably right. I mean, I think the Bulls probably win a game or two more it's going to be these, both these teams are going to be right in that mix and they're going to be right around that 45 to 47 win, you know, window there. That's going to put them somewhere around, you know, probably sixth to 10th in the league. I mean, I I hope you agree with me here, but that's what I think. And so we're all going to be kind of in this, like smooshed up, you know, hodgepodge of five or six teams that are all basically battling for those last one or two playoff spots and to try to stay out of the play-in. And yeah, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's where where we're all going to end up here. Uh, you know, when I'm talking about like, you know, and the Hawks, the Bulls, uh, probably the Cavs are going to be in that mix too. So um, there's just going to be, you know, a lot of competition there. And it's going to be a fun season, man. But I'm actually, like I said, I'm not surprised that the Hawks have a higher win total. Um, I actually, it was really high on them last year. And I wanted to, you know, kind of ask you about that because I had them actually slotted for like 50 wins last year. Because I was like, man, this team was doing so well under their new coach. And then you know, they, all their numbers had had gone better. The defense had improved, and I'm like, oh, they're going to have this coach for the whole entire year. The entire crew's coming back. They kept John Collins. I'm like, you know what? This team, I had sky high expectations last year, and then you know, it just didn't happen. So let, let me let me kick it back to you, man. What what are your expectations for this season? And then like, what what happened last season? Why, why they let me down?
1: <laughs> so I'll start with the latter injuries. There there's a there's a lot of drama that led to how the Hawks fared last year. There was a lot of injuries going into the offseason after that uh, tough, you know, Eastern Conference final series against the Bucks that we lost in six. A lot of people had to recoup. They had a shorter offseason. They were still recovering from the bubble and how the offseasons were going longer and longer, and that was back to normal now. Um, so a shorter offseason, and there was a lot of sense of, hey, we've arrived even though they over exceeded expectations in that year. And there was a lot of factors and injuries in the league that led to the run. And I'm not going to take away from that run um, at all, because it was spectacular and great for the city of Atlanta. Shout out Alan if you're listening to this as well, (laughs) but it's sense of entitlement injuries, not having people available um, some philosophy issues as far as playing young guys continue to you know hammer the pick and roll even though we are one of the most efficient offenses in the nba there's it's still very limited and i think and on top of that we just didn't play any defense we didn't play any defense and people were pointing the fingers trying to challenge each other i.e john Collins trying to challenge the locker room and next thing you know he gets put out on front street as far as calling people out and now he's back in trade rumors as he has been for years so I think it's just a lot of stuff behind the scenes and they needed last year. Could I expect them to win about 47, 47 games last year? I have to go back and listen. Um, And and just for reference, guys, the Bulls won 46 games last year and they were sixth in the East. So 47 could have got them out of that playing game range instead of being ninth um, at 43 wins, which is still they were only four wins off, even after the slow start, all the injuries the different lineups 43 wins is still nothing to scoff at and they finished really strong so it is disappointing because of where they were to where they finished last year you know getting bounced out in a gentleman's sweep by the heat but for this year i can see 46 wins i can because people are healthy outside of bogey because you know now this year outside of Bogey who is supposed to be back sometime during training camp, but I still expect him to rev him up slowly. But you have Okongwu with a full healthy offseason. Last year he didn't have that liberty because he had the shoulder surgery. This year he's after in his exit interview he said he's going to come back with a jump shot. That's what he told Travis Schlenk. <laughs> a healthy DeAndre Hunter with a full offseason to improve. Healthy Trey Young. John Collins is still in this roster. You still have Capella. Um, even though he did have that hyperextension, he did come back in that series against Miami. Um, luckily, with a hyperextension and nothing structural, he will be back this year. There's a lot of pieces in, obviously, trade the trade for Murray. A lot of people are putting a lot of stock into that trade for Murray. He's going to improve the perimeter defense for this team and be another ball handler creator. Uh, now, the biggest question mark is can him and Trey Young coincide when they both need the ball in their hands? That's yet to be seen. Can Trae Young play off the ball? I think they're hyping that up too much. I think when called, he will. But I just don't want a Chris Paul, James Harden situation in Houston where it's like, oh, you take this dance, I'm going to drink punch after punch ball at prom. I I don't want nothing like that. So as much as it is on these players to make it work, I continue to say on my podcast, we are, as much as we're scapegoating Nate McMillan as far as a lot of people putting pressure on him to succeed, it's on this coaching staff, especially Joe Prunty, to create offensive sets. That's going to get people touches. That's going to be with Murray in mind, with Young in mind, with Hunter in mind in his spots, Collins in mind in his spots. With Okangwu is yet to see how he developed. There's a lot of there's a lot of work that needs to be done this offseason. And as much as it's on these players to continue to get better themselves. It's on his coaching staff and there's a lot of pressure on his staff for them to take that next step. Because if not, if they falter in any way, there's a, there's a huge contingent of Hawks fans that want Nate McMillan out because of his outdated practices. And some of the lapses during games as far as not calling timeouts, uh, not making adjustments that we think he should be making defensively for a def- defensive minded coach, substitution and so forth. So. It has to be we all have to come together. And if they can come together, and I think this trip over to um, Abu Dhabi, uh, when they play the Bucks for two games in the preseason, a time away from Atlanta on the road in a foreign country where they have to bond, that could really be a starting point for this team. And then they have a lot of home games before they enter a tough stretch in the month of November. That's what it comes down to for this Hawks team. But until training camp happens, which will be soon for both of us, um, those are the things that I'm looking for. So I do foresee them potentially getting close to that 46 and a half, 47 wins. They're going to need that to avoid the play in, because as you mentioned, Cleveland is is, is going to be a tough out. And a lot of the Mitchell overrated, you know, shatter. I think that's going to spark something for him. Now, can him and Garland stop anybody in that backcourt? That's yet to be seen. Uh, will it work? That's still yet to be seen. Uh, Toronto will they take a step back or do they have enough continuity that's going to make them a tough team as well? Um, those are the teams I think Charlotte takes a step back. Bulls, Raptors, Cavs, and Hawks are going to be battling for that six to ten range. They're going to be bat- they're going to be battling for that spot all year long.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And yeah, I, I was interested to hear your take on on how. Um, Trey Young's going to fit with DeJounte Murray, because I do think that is a – in my mind, when I think about it right away, like just off the top of my head, I had those same reservations. I'm like, you know, hey – I mean, it's not as bad as, like, you know, Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden being on the same team, but it's it's that same kind of, kind of, like, thought, right? It's like, hey, both these guys need the ball in their hands to be successful. How is that going to work when there's only one basketball? Um, I think – but I think, I think man – you know, Trey Young, let me just talk about him for a minute, you know, just from an, as an outsider, you know, not an Atlanta Hawks fan, because I did not like him coming in the league. I was really hoping the Bulls wouldn't, wouldn't draft him. And then it turned out that, you know, he was a really exciting player. But then, you know, my thought was, well, this guy doesn't play winning basketball, though. You know, those first you know season or two where the Hawks weren't necessarily a great team. But, you know, Trey Young's getting his numbers and, and, and doing some exciting stuff on the course some flashy stuff. I was like, all right, you know, this guy's doing what he does. Um, but is this winning basketball? I don't know. But what what he really won me over was, you know, not this last season, but the season before, which you which you were talking about uh, during that run uh, where he really adjusted his game and did what his team needed him to do to win the basketball game. I saw that from him. I saw growth in him. And so that really leads me to believe, you know, my, my initial reaction was, I don't know how that's going to work. But as I thought about it more and more and I'm thinking about Dre Young and how I've seen him grow right before my eyes, I'm like, you know what? If they're saying he can play off ball like that, I think, you know, if he sucks it up and does it like that uh, and, you know, DeJounte Murray and him can coexist like that, then I think it could be a very special team. I think they could easily beat this over that Vegas has a man. I think they could probably finish above the Bulls. I mean, yeah, I know you said, you know, you don't necessarily think, think that to me, but um, I, I do think that they have that talent there, whereas I think the Bulls have a lot of question marks. Um, you know, when you're talking about like Lonzo Ball, you're talking about Patrick Williams developing, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that makes me kind of uneasy about this Bulls squad, but I think they're in a, you know, from, from the bulls point of view, they're in a good spot, like contractually, like they can just blow it up next season, off season. Cause which is expiring. Uh, you'll be on the last year of, of Devon Rose's deal. Someone's going to want him for sure. Like you can blow this up and do a quick rebuild very easily. So like, I'm not worried about the future of the bulls. I'm just more, I'm not necessarily as high on them this season, uh, as I am the Hawks. I think the Hawks would be better than the Bulls. I really do.
1: And it's funny that you, you know, we, we, talked about the fit between the two. Uh, I really like, because one of the things the Hawks struggled at is perimeter defending and guarding the point of attack, which Murray's going to clean that up. Yeah. And he brings a sort of, uh, some toughness and, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're, you already know where this is well, going. Yeah, you already <laughs> know where this is going because, as of right now, you know Trey Young. We already know he's the villain, especially when he goes to Madison Square Garden in Philadelphia and other places in the Eastern Conference where he shows out and does his things. Um, we already know he's a villain, but you know, stature, he doesn't really call to be the villain. He's kinda of like the joker. You know, he's kinda of like the joker. And obviously, you know, Jokic has that nickname, but you know, the Joker is not a physically imposing presence, but the antics. It's the antics and his demeanor and how he carries himself that makes him and his recklessness that makes him holy like holy crap, he's he's a he's a villain. Trey Young has that, a little bit of that in him, and outside of that on the Hawks, I always Said they needed an enforcer on this team, and I've talked about in the past a Marcus Smart, a Draymond Green, others um, in this league. I didn't think the, the Dejounte Murray was going to be that guy, and we, you <laughs> wanted to ask me about the pro am yeah. antics and uh, <laughs>
0: this guy, this guy's a dog, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm seeing this guy bounce, you know, ball off people's heads, telling, you know, having verbal confrontations with Paolo Banchero. I'm like, dude, what's going on with this guy? This guy like. Isn't taking crap from anybody. So, man, I think this guy's got some dog in him, man. I think he might be your man. <laughs> uh,
1: he definitely has some dog. And, uh, and, it, and it started even before the Pro-Am, Keith. It was him going back and forth with the Spurs fans after he got traded on social media. You know, trashing the organization. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a minute! Like you get out, you get out of you know, pop's house, and all of a sudden you're grown and you acting out. Like right. you, you got uh, emancipated, and now you're acting out. <laughs> and then we see the pro-am antics. But I did, I did not dislike it because we need some of that edge. We do. That's something that I thought that this team lacked was some edge, was some toughness. Uh, Trey Young is a dog. Like a lot of people don't, because of the stature and how he, how he, you know, his defense awareness. Which I'm curious to look on 2K myself, uh, what his defensive awareness is. But he's a dog. Like yeah. he is a dog. Murray's a dog. I on the bench, your six man. I think Bogey is a dog as well, which a lot of people are overlooking in all this. I think Okongu has a little bit in there. They're starting to. I think that's the DNA that I want to see this team, you know, really cling to is that that tough team, that us
0: against the world team, that Atlanta versus everybody, that attitude. That was that was my Bulls team. So, like, you know, you want to go back to, you know, we were talking about a little bit before we came on about the 2011, uh, you know, Bulls Hawks playoffs. And that's my team. Right. And you're talking about, you know, the dog and needing that spirit and that that, that fighter on your team. Right. So, you know, I'm going to bring him up right now. My favorite Bulls player, one of my favorite Bulls players ever, Joaquin No, Right? Oh yes. That was like that was the guy that like you know maybe he's not necessarily the most talented dude in the world. Wins a deep boy. like he just comes out of nowhere, just like fights for every single possession. And uh, you know, obviously you you know when you pull to points the '90s Bulls. You know you got Dennis Rodman. You know same type of deal. You know it's a guy that you know not necessarily heralded, not a guy that's going to be celebrated because of his offense or anything like that. But um, he's got a role in the team, and not only that, but he's the one that. When the team pushes, he's the one that pushes back, and he takes it on himself for everybody else, right? So, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have to worry. Scottie Pippen didn't have to worry because Dennis, he's got this man. Dennis is gonna go in his face, and he's gonna tell him, "No, you know, you know, you're not gonna do that to my dudes." Um, you know, and, and I know you're a football guy, so same thing. You know, I saw you see them football all the time. You know, someone go messes with your quarterback. I saw Tom Brady get messed with, and one of his receivers of them came over. I think it was Mike Evans, and he came over and just like you know,
1: who should have oh, been, yeah. right. been suspended? <laughs> right, the
0: Saints fan. He should have been suspended. Marshawn did nothing but lock him up. That's all I'm <laughs> right. saying. Right, <laughs> right. So, but yeah, you need that guy on your team, right? The guy that like you know makes you feel like you know. And and I played basketball in high school, and you know, you go into some of these places, and it's like you know some places you don't necessarily feel like you're, you're not, you're not welcome, right? You're just not welcome. You're the, you're the visitor. And so, you know, who's that dude that's going to be on your team that's going to stand between you and that crowd when they're, you know, in your face and yelling at you or, or, you know, whatever, what, what have you, you know, someone comes up to you after the game, you know, who's that dude that you want in the bat in the back alley with you, you know, when they're, when they're coming with the, at you with a knife or whatever, but, uh but yeah, that, that's what you, that's what you want. So yeah, what you're talking about, man, I get it, man. That's what my, you know, bulls back then had, I don't know, who that guy on our team is now? I was gonna ask that. I was gonna ask who who's the I guy. Mean, I would on say Caruso, team. but like he's just kind of nice, man. That guy, that dude's a little <laughs> too nice, honestly. But in that
1: series, and 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 you said that Caruso potentially could be that guy on the team, but there needs to be someone else that steps up into that role. And I'm curious to see who is going to be that guy for the Bulls. And, and, I, and I think, and I'm excited for the Hawks' point point of view. I think Murray is that guy. Murray is that guy he's going to gas up Trey Young. He's going to back up Trey Young? Uh, Capella is all is, is is a tough guy too. Um, a lot of people do not maybe categorize him as that, but I think he certainly is is tough um, in, in that regard as well. But, but I want to see others do it. I want to see more dogs on this team because that is the DNA that this this team needs in the Eastern Conference because it's going to be a gauntlet. I mean, it's going to be a gauntlet. I mean. Sh- the Celtics, the Bucks who are going to be back this year. The Heat, I don't think they're going anywhere even though they lost PJ Tucker, but then who gets PJ Tucker? The 76ers who I think got better and got tougher this year who I am pretty high on. I have another dark horse, horse potentially potentially to win it all. Uh, the top 4 is tough. It is it, tough. You're going to have to scrap, you're going to have to fight, you're going to have to do whatever it takes to win each and every single night. Every game counts. And that's why the contest for our respective teams against each other, uh, which you already know who I'm standing with. And I know who you are standing with. But the Cavaliers, the Raptors, heck, even the Hornets who can get you. And even some of these younger teams, the Pistons, who I certainly thought got better this offseason through the draft and the Magic. We can't sleep. I mean, uh, we have I want to say the Pistons are in your division. Mm -hmm. In the Magic or in our, our division. Those aren't games we can't just say we're going to win those games. Even the Wizards. The Wizards, we, we yeah. And who knows what's going to happen with the Pacers. The Eastern Conference is in the best shape it has been in years. And a lot better than you alluded to that 2020, 2011 series. Uh, around that's when I graduated high school. Between the, between the Bulls and the Hawks. Um, and, again, for Hawks fans, it may be – Tough pill to swallow. We didn't lose that one in six. We wore the fifth seed going against the number one seed. Bulls team won 60 games that year. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned Joe Kim Noah on that team. When well, I remember Bulls are being tough on <laughs> you guys' this team. Um, and I'm looking at the other players. Taj Gibson, another tough guy. Uh, you had Kyle Korver, who, who obviously not a tough guy, but it was just a really good Bulls team who we ended up taking. And he that became was an awesome like
0: like I said, man, that was my team because, you know, you know, you got the nineties bulls and everyone loves them. You know, I was, I don't know. I was very young when that happened. Right. Like the last championship was basically like the one that I can only like, that's the one I remember because I was like barely old enough to like watch on TV and understand like what I was watching. Um, all I remember really from, you know, being that young is that my family would all gather around the TV whenever it was on national TV. And we'd, we'd watch the bulls. We'd watch Michael Jordan cause you just, that's what's what you did. And, um, so that's really all I know about those 90 bull, 90s Bulls. I wasn't really, like, old enough to really understand what was going on. But my Bulls team is, is that team which you're talking about right there. And that's, you know, you say toughest. That was it, man. That was, you know, Tom, Tom Thibodeau was the coach. And they had uh, Joaquin Noah and, like, you said, Taj. You know, they had all these guys. D-Rose. Yeah, D-Rose, D, D Rose, man. I mean, D-Rose was just going to, like, blow by you and, and, and just try to, you know, do a, a fancy layup or a dunk on you. Like, that dude was just crazy explosive. So, um toughness, man. And that's, that's what the you know city of Chicago loves. You know, it's a blue collar city, obviously, you know, it's, we love hard workers. We love people that put their nose to the grindstone don't do it, necessarily do it. You know, the way that all these analytics or whatever say it's supposed to be done, it's just get the job done and do it, you know, the hardest way you can every single play. And that's what that Bulls team, those Bulls teams want, man, every single play. And you saw, I mean, Ding just ran, ran his body into the ground playing like that. Mm-hmm. But he did it gladly because that's what, as an athlete, that's what you want too, right? You want to say, yes. hey, you know, hey, I can run through this brick wall for you, coach, you know. And those guys are willing to do that. Absolutely. No way. And I
1: think yeah. that's why ultimately you guys did win that series. It was 2-2. Uh, there was a defensive grind. But because you had that that DNA that we just alluded to, I, I want the Hawks to develop. And I know you want your Bulls to develop. It's what got you guys over the hump because Atlanta's a city of Flash. Um, it, it's, it's a flashy city. I mean, look at just look at the players we had. You mean, I mean, tough guy in Al Horford. I'm gonna give Al Horford that in Zaza, who you know people call him Dirty, <laughs> but but you have Joe Johnson, you know, that's, ISO Joe. You amazing. have yeah. Jeff Teague, Mike Bibby, Josh Smith, um, Jamal Crawford on that team. Oh, Josh Smith, th- <laughs> th- th- that's a lot of flash. That's a lot of flash. Uh, and maybe not necessarily that tough team that. Is going to grind out a playoff series like they did to win. Obviously, you guys ran into the Heat that year, who obviously did not win. Um, The not one, not two, but you got (laughs) you got you got bounced in, in what five? You got bounced in six in that one, but. Those are some of the things that I, I hope to see return for our respective franchises, and I want to see that in our matchups. Uh, it's a different time; it is. Everyone seems to be friends. Uh, even Paolo and uh, and Dejounte are cool allegedly now, and we will see the Magic very early in that in the season. Um, but those are those are that's what's going to happen. I know you wanted to talk about the Hawks' backslide last year. Have they solved it? That's yet to be seen um, with this team. And it's because it's going to be what what habits are you going to take out of camp? What are you really going to hang your hat on this year? What is going to be your identity? The Hawks didn't have that opportunity for that identity because their identity was unavailability because of injuries. And it could kind of be the same for the Bulls as well. Their identity last year outside of their talent and obviously the game winners we saw from DeMar uh, was the lack of availability. Just getting that team on the court. Um, and it'll be interesting to see with a healthy Bulls team, with a healthy Hawks team, can we put our heads together and push out the Cavaliers or can we take out um, Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors that we're just waiting for them to fall off and waiting for Pascal Siakam to force his way out? Because, um, you know, you know, Scotty Barnes is here. He's here. Yeah. But those are the those are the hurdles that we're going to have to jump um so it's, it's 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 gonna be fun with training camp just around the corner and I know that you had another question for me uh which I really haven't really got into this yet um so I'm glad that you wanted to ask me about these two players
0: yeah Akangwu and Capella yeah I think I mean so yeah let's let's start there like first off let me ha- let me ask it this way Wh- where are you taking a in fantasy drafts and where are you taking Capella in fantasy drafts like what rounds
1: I would say mid round for oh, <laughs> it, it, I would say mid round for both. Cause they both do virtually the same things. Capella's a better rebounder. Um, but when given the opportunity in the minutes, Okongu's so a really good rebounder in his own right. Blocks did take a step back for Capella last year. Uh, he did he was battling an Achilles early in the season. Um, and then had to work himself back in the form, so he was a step slower defensively. Mm-hmm. But just for the fact, if you're really looking at percentages, Capella's high percentage, Okongu is high percentage, and I think he'll continue to get better. Uh, maybe not as high as Capella because they're looking for Okongu to kind of step away from the basket. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to when you're picking the two is if you're really banking on a team that's going to be consistently a good free throw shooting team. And as of right now, Okongu is head and shoulders a better free-throw shooter right. than than Capella. And if that is the – and I think that right there is the tiebreaker. Uh, youth free-throw percentage and his ability to sh- potentially shoot a mid-range jumper yeah. is what's going to give Okongu a better upside. And he may start slow, but I I think he – will certainly finish strong if you were to draft him mid to later rounds. I think most people are going to draft Capella first, and I don't blame you if you do, because right now he is a the starter. Uh, there is no change there. The only way you draft Okongwu higher is if a trade of John Collins does come, and they want to put a Okongu at the four next to Capella and really have a very strong defensive front court to pair with you know Trey Young, who we know is deficient, the defensive inefficiencies there, Murray and DeAndre Hunter. But that, I think that's the only way you draft a Congu earlier is if John Collins is out of the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, man. I think a Congo right now, actually, according to this uh, handy ADP tracker we have over at Sports Ethos, which is part of that fancy pass um a is being drafted about 50 spots looks like beyond capella which man I, capella's being drafted in the 70s according to this adp track i guess if you're punting free throws or something like that like that makes sense i i i tend to go the non punt way i try to just build uh you know build a team that's going to be successful in pretty much every category give me a chance to win every category uh or at least you know six out of the nine categories but um but yeah so i i guess that makes sense in that way but yeah i Here's, here's a question for you that might help me out with that decision, though. And, and what I'm interested in hearing you, you know, your answer to is how many minutes is Okongu going to be getting this year? I mean, you know, is he going to be strictly on the floor only when Capella's off? Is he going to be like in the 15 to 18 minute range or, or is he going to be more than that?
1: I think Okongu is going to I think he's going to play
0: 18 minutes plus. I I, I certainly think that he is going to play. His fair share of minutes. And Last year, you got 20.7 minutes. So over or under on that one this season? What do you think?
1: I'm gonna go over. I'm going to go. I'm going to go over, um, especially because I'm. I'm not. I'm not settled on John Collins being on his team long term uh, throughout the season. And I can foresee, if for some reason the Hawks struggle out of the gate, that a mid season trade that involves John Collins and potentially Bogey is what opens up things and gets him into that starting lineup and propels this team forward. Cause there's still some moves that this team can make. Uh that was something that people were waiting for. You know, the other shooter drop this offseason was, hey, we got Murray, we still got Collins on this team right now. What's the next move? That move never came. And especially in the summer where everybody valued draft picks because everybody's in an arms race for the future because the talent is just getting better and better coming to the nba or the potential for that talent uh overseas especially uh with the wimby sweepstakes going to take place uh this year i know the spurs are going to be really active in that along with the jazz but i think we let that pass i know some people were upset about it here in atlanta and me i'm like if there was a move to be made A move would have been made Mm -hmm. i mean some people who are looking at the quote-unquote fleece trade for the bulls magic if there was a better trade for the bulls to make Mm -hmm. they would have made that trade right they would have they would have made that trade and yes the players have to make the trade right but there's also other circumstances and so i feel that That's going to be a potential there. Um, I don't know if John Collins is going to be on his roster long. Uh, I mean, certainly his name's still being thrown around. And I know with Gallo getting hurt in Boston, uh, it may force them to potentially pull the trigger and have conversations with the Atlanta Hawks, who, and I know they're high on John Collins up in Boston, uh, trying to get back to the NBA Finals, but Certainly the, the future is Okongwu. That is the one untradable piece that 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 was one constant this this offseason. Okongwu and DeAndre Hunter were untradable, which means the Hawks are putting a lot of stock into those two players to take the next step going forward, which is what I'm really interested in seeing are how our forwards are going to get better, because we have youth there as well. Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin are probably going to have to play this year um, if Nate Miller can get out of his old ways and um, not, you know, yell at kids riding on bikes on uh, while he's on his porch. Uh, that old mindset. If he can get out of that, that is that is what I am looking for. Um, if you're if you're trying to figure out where Okongo is going to fit in this and what is his ceiling. All in all, it's going to be a very interesting season for Okongul, for Capella, for the Hawks, and for the Bulls. There's a lot of questions on both sides, but there is a lot of optimism as well, even with a very, very tough, tough Eastern Conference coming up. And I I wish I had the schedule up. Actually, you know what? <laughs> I can have the schedule up because I want to see all the times that we play the Bulls because, you know, it's going to be smoke season uh, we'll go get you guys.
0: Uh, so. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. No, I think I think I see it here: December eleventh, uh, December twenty-first, and January twenty-third. So I think there's three matchups there. Uh, so I think those are the ones there. So we're a little bit later in the oh. season, honestly. It's gonna be a while. And a fourth, you know, the fourth one, April fourth, okay. at Chicago. Gotcha.
1: So, so the first, so the first one is going to be in December. You no, know, so we play so we played you guys twice in december at home in a matter of a few weeks Just very very interesting very interesting scheduling there and then obviously the the game in january on the 23rd and then the last game the 4th of april on the road as well so very interesting how they broke that up but you know what we're gonna have to see each other uh i don't think we'll play each other in a playoff matchup i don't think either of us will propel that high but who knows who knows um, we'll but but Keith, it was a pleasure to talk Eastern Conference, talk our franchises, uh, talk basketball. And uh, we even mentioned, uh, I didn't get to mention Kirk Heinrich, uh, who was <laughs> in that series. Uh, yeah. well, Joe Kim Noah was brought up. So if those were some of you guys' <laughs> buzzwords. Uh, you can go ahead and knock that off your bingo there. there but you know. Keith, tell the listeners about your program, your great program, what all you got working up and how they can connect with you.
0: Yeah, you guys can find the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts, so go check it out there. Uh, Follow the show on at Ethos Bulls. uh, That's at Ethos Bulls. And you can follow me on Twitter. uh, I'm at BSBP Keith, BSBP Keith. um, Basically all over Twitter. Just just follow me. I'm always there. You'll find me there.
1: I say, hey, y'all check him out, especially uh, there's a lot of Bulls fans in Atlanta. I I know y'all here. Y'all here. If you got put on to this episode because of because of Keith or because of me, show him some love. Follow him on Twitter. You heard him. And if you love what you heard from me, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know what it is. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans, ceiling fans. It does not matter. If they have ears and want to hear about the Hawks, put them on to this program. Follow us at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself at Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J A R R E T T67. You guys will catch me on the next episode of Beat the Buzzer the new show on uh, YouTube uh, that I won. I won. I'm one. I'm defending champ. I'm coming back to defend my crown because they thought my win was a fluke because I chose the Philadelphia 76ers as a dark horse over the New Orleans Pelicans, who is my native team. I did not go that route because I'm not trying to kiss up to the judge Lyle, if you're listening to this right now. Um, cough, cough, um, Lucas and Corbin. But you know what? I'm coming back and defending my title. So You check us out on that new program on YouTube. I will be tweeting that out. You can catch both of us at sportsecos.com for our respective teams. And continue to show us some love, support, subscribe, and also also give us great reviews on our shows as well. But we'll catch you guys next time with Training Camp just right around the corner.